This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Are you a young parent that's feeling stuck with your finances? Well, today's show is for you. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're answering two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. And after that, our FinTech Spotlight segment is going to feature Brent Weiss from Facet Wealth. Brent and I are going to be discussing the importance of working with a fiduciary financial advisor and what that word actually means. (laughs) We're also going to talk about how people can get a good understanding of what they're actually being charged by their financial advisor. It's going to be good stuff. We're also going to learn how Facet Wealth helps customers of all wealth levels achieve their financial goals. All right, let's jump into today's show. first question of the month comes in from Julie. Well, I guess it's not really a question. It's more of a half question, half statement. But nevertheless, let's let's go with this one. <laughs> There's no salutation, no hey Andy or anything like that. Just starts out like this. Try this on. $92,000 income family with one baby. We live in a crummy, small, two-bedroom rental with poor heat and cracks in the walls. It's on the edge of the city, the best balance of travel time to work versus price we could find. My field, which is international aid slash development, is generally in major cities, and we like our secure jobs, so not ideal to leave. My round trip to work is one and a half hours with driving baby to daycare, then transiting myself to work. If I transit all the way, it's two and a half hours each way. If I drive all the way, it's $300 plus in parking per month. There is no transit to my husband's work, so we need two cars. Tell me how to do better. Our bring home is $5,320 per month. Our rent is $1,700 per month. Daycare is $1,125 for three days a week. Work is allowing me to work two days from home. Highly stressful with a 16-month-old. Only daycare we could find with space, normal going rate. She's just providing me a little bit of information there. Going on here, $380 for car insurance, $470 for gas and transit, $800 for groceries, $250 for phones, $120 for internet and share of utilities, $482 for student loan repayment, $120 for baby programs and play, $100 for diapers, $100 for gym membership, She puts in parentheses here, the only thing we do for ourselves, and we actually go mental and physical health. That is $5,527. It doesn't include any cleaning supplies or miscellaneous or the money we send to Africa for my husband's siblings to go to school, gifts, eating out, which we rarely do. My husband has tried to pick up extra work in food delivery, etc., but it works out to be about $12 to $15 per hour, not including gas and wear on the vehicle, which is around 10 years old. So not really worth the extra stress on us at all. 
I do side contract work when it comes, but it still doesn't make the budget work. Give me an answer other than budget better or make more or unroot your whole family and leave your jobs and support system to go somewhere you'll be unhappy. Get it through your head. The pull your bootstraps advice no longer works. Stop these ridiculous, useless articles. Say it like it is. Unless you're making over $200,000 or born into it, you're screwed. Our current economy and world doesn't work the way it used to. No uh, salutation at the end. Just that's from Julie. Okay. (laughs) I sense a lot of frustration and anger and stress. You are a young working parent with a 16-month-old trying to just live and enjoy life a little bit. That doesn't seem too much to ask, right? You're wondering, why is this so hard? And it sounds like you've read or seen a lot of articles or blog posts, including mine, that have made you mad, have made you angry. They make it sound easy to get the life you want just by pulling up your bootstraps and hustling harder. And you're right. That type of advice can be frustrating when you're already hustling and working harder than you ever have before, but you can't find a moment to relax or, or just even see the light at the end of the tunnel. So you asked me how you can do better. So I'll, I'll do my best, Julie. I am uh, just one opinion though. Okay. So I'm going to do my best. Here are five ways that I think you can do better. Number one, try to not take online personal finance advice so personal. A lot of online personal finance advice is generic because there is very little time spent with the person seeking advice. Oftentimes, it's broad advice that can provide motivation and a general sense of direction for people. For example, let's use you as an example here. Even with all of the detailed information you provided, I still don't know where you live. I'm assuming it's somewhere like New York or San Francisco, but again, I'm making an assumption here. I don't know what your husband does for a living. I don't know how much debt you have. I don't know if you have anything saved for retirement. Without this information, my advice or opinion is going to be kind of at a disadvantage, you know? So there are a lot of folks out there that actually love this type of advice, though, because it allows them to think introspectively and then decide which path is best for them. I, for one... I'm a personal finance podcast and book junkie. I consume all of this content and and then I decide which advice I like the best and then I go for it. I've had a lot, a lot of failures by following the advice of others, but I've also had a lot of success as well. Number two, seek out one-on-one financial coaching and planning. Instead of reading personal finance articles, books, and listening to podcasts for inspiration and kind of getting frustrated with them, try meeting with a professional coach or advisor. This way, you can get past the generic and get more specific. Now, this can come at an added cost, but just like your gym membership that you 
say is so important for your mental and physical health, financial coaching is just as important for your financial health. Here are three women that I admire that provide financial coaching services from the comfort of your own home. The first one here, Tori Dunlap. I've had her on the show. She's fantastic. She saved $100,000 by age 25, and now she's dedicating herself to help women make more money and live a life of financial freedom. The second one, Whitney Hansen. She's an award-winning podcast host. She's a money coach, and she helps millennials pay off their debt and achieve financial independence. And then the last one, Jesse Furin. All three of these ladies have been on the podcast. So if you want to hear them and hear their story, you can check it out on this show. But Jesse Furin's the third one. She paid off her mortgage on less than $50,000 a year of a household income. She's helping others achieve a sense of freedom with their money as well. And she's raising three kids at the same time. So these three ladies, I'm inspired by all of them. If you need one-on-one advice, I would highly recommend any one of them. But by getting more granular with someone who's been in your shoes, you can gain a perspective you've never experienced before. You'll feel like somebody's on your side on your journey to financial empowerment. Number three, realize this is a difficult season in your life. Raising a 16-month-old while working in a big city with a horrendously long commute can be absolutely draining. The stress compounds when your money situation is tight. Try to step back and realize that the situation you're in today that seems so dire, it's not going to last forever. It is going to get better. For example, daycare costs. This is a big ticket item for you. Your 16-month-old is eventually going to be in full-time school. Soon enough, you'll have no daycare bill if you choose to send your child to public school near home. Income. Things might be tight right now, but you and your husband will eventually make more money in your careers. And it sounds like you're passionate about your job. You don't want to leave it, right? Use that passion to produce more income for you. And that's going to help you out in the near future. And then student loan debt. As you grow your income and pay down your debt, you'll be able to free up more room in your budget for investing for retirement, saving for the future, and just having more fun. (laughs) This is just a season in your life, albeit a very, very rough one. But just take it one day at a time. Make small incremental improvements that help you and your family have a happier life. Number four. Pause on the big things, focus on the little things. Now, Julie, you've clearly stated that changing jobs, moving, or more side hustling is out of the question for you. I got it. Let's focus on five areas that could potentially improve your financial situation. Number one, decrease car insurance payments. You're paying $380 per month on car insurance. I don't know much about your cars or your driving record or your specific coverage or even where you live, (laughs) but there may be an opportunity for you to save some more money here. Reach out to three car insurance providers in your area 
and get competitive quotes for your business. Try some of the big guys like Geico or Progressive or Nationwide. Usually they have aggressive rates for new customers. Whatever whatever it takes for them to get you as a new customer, they're going to help you save a little bit of money in the beginning. You could save up to like 500 or a thousand bucks per year with one simple phone call. Tell your current provider that you need to reduce your car insurance payments and you have some competitive offers that are trying to get your business. See if they'll match it. And if not, leave and take your business and money elsewhere. Nicole and I have done this quite a bit. We went from Geico back to Progressive and now we're considering going back to Geico. It's just a little game you gotta play. The second one here, reduce your daycare costs. You mentioned that you have a support system where you live. Do you have a family member who'd be willing to watch your 16-month-old for, I don't know, one day per week? This may not be a possibility, but if it is, you could save quite a bit of money there. Also, consider signing up for a Dependent Care FSA, Dependent Care Flexible Spending Account, if you have that option with your employer. Let's say you do the current Dependent Care FSA maximum contribution at $5,000 per year and you are in the 10% tax bracket. You would save around $500 per year in taxes, or that's around $42 per month. So that's another opportunity for savings. The third opportunity for savings, refinance your student debt. I have no clue how much you owe on your student loan debt or your interest rate, but refinancing may be a smart option to consider. Depending on your situation, you could bring your interest rate down quite a bit. It could save you hundreds of bucks per year. Look at partners like Credible or SoFi and see if the process makes sense for you. The fourth opportunity to save, shop for MVNO or prepaid cell phone plans. You said you're paying about $250 per month. Let's see if we can decrease that. A few months ago, my wife and I went to a prepaid cell phone plan with Verizon. We have the same coverage, same iPhones, and same data plan. Now we pay $30 less per month. The only catch here is we had to fully pay off our phones or fully pay for them so we weren't making payments anymore. But either way, we're very, very happy with our lower monthly payments. And this this could work well for you too. MVNO cell phone plans are really popular right now. And it's a great way to get the same power of the big networks with a smaller price tag. So check it out. Could help you quite a bit. And then the last thing here to save you a little bit of money, shop discount grocery stores and meal prep. Sometimes switching to a new grocery store can save you quite a bit of money. My wife and I switched from Kroger to Aldi a few years ago, and we saved around $3,000 per year. If you don't have an Aldi near you, depending on where you live, consider Walmart or just another discount grocery store. Outside of what you buy, think about how you use it, right? Make Sunday meal prep day. That way you can prepare for the entire week Eat healthy and save a lot of money. This will reduce your food waste and help you plan for the busy weeks that you have. And it can also be a fun and cheap date night tradition for you and your husband as well. So all the things I talked about were they right there. Five different things. We talked about decreasing your car insurance payments, reducing your daycare costs, refinancing your student debt, reducing that cell phone plan, and then shopping with the discount grocery stores. 
that could potentially save you four to five thousand dollars per year. That is a lot of money, especially when things are tight for you. But outside of those five ideas, there are dozens and dozens of ways to, I don't know, help, I guess, when you're living paycheck to paycheck. Give some of those a try and see what works for you. All right, number five, find your tribe. The hardest challenges in life are made a lot easier when you have people who are supporting you along the way. You are in a really tough spot right now, Julie. Young parenthood can be mentally and physically exhausting. Find other people who are in your same position so you can confide in them and they can confide in you. There are dozens of Facebook groups that are focused on parenthood or motherhood or just generally improving your financial situation. Find one that works for you. I started a Facebook community with a few friends of mine who are young parents trying to figure out this whole marriage, kids, and money thing. It's called Thriving Families, and it is free to join. We would love to have you there and help you out. You just have to answer three questions and agree to the group rules so everybody is not spamming each other and trying to sell stuff. <laughs> but either way, join us. It's free. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. And if you're not into Facebook or social media or online, anything, just find some other mothers or parents in your community and see if you can meet them for coffee. Sometimes it just helps to talk with somebody when you're going through difficult situations like this. All right, let's recap on those five ways that, I don't know, might help you with your situation. I know you're skeptical right now with a lot of things that you're reading in the online personal finance world, but hopefully these five might help you out. Number one, try to not take online personal finance advice so personal. Number two, seek out one-on-one financial coaching and planning. Number three, realize that this is a difficult season in your life. And then number four, pause on the big things, focus on the little things. And then number five, find your tribe. Julie, I want to thank you so much for being open and honest and extremely candid with me. I hope my suggestions help you, Julie. I really do. I I know this is a very difficult time in your life, and I wish you the best of luck. And I know it's not easy, but just try to remember that this is only a season. Better times are on their way. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Our second question of the month comes in from Kevin from our Thriving Families Facebook community. My kids are getting physical cash from grandparents, etc. for holidays. They are small denominations, $5 for Halloween, $1 for successful potty usage, etc. How and what kind of vehicle does everyone have set up for this? The easy solution is usually a savings account. But I'd love to get into the market in some manner so the money can grow over their childhood. Do brokerage houses such as Fidelity even allow kids to open accounts with, say, 10 bucks? Love to hear everyone's thoughts. So Kevin threw this out in our Facebook community, and he got a lot of feedback. And I wanted to take the opportunity to give him my thoughts as well. So first of all, Kevin, great question. I have never really covered this on the podcast and I'm really glad that you asked it. So to answer your second question right off the bat, yes, Fidelity does have a custodial account that doesn't have a minimum investment. So your 10 bucks that you're talking about would be plenty. Grandma sending over a little bit of money or the Halloween money or successful potty time, (laughs) that money can start to build up with compound interest in the stock market. I actually talked to Fidelity on the phone, and the rep told me that you can start with even a penny. (laughs) And that would be such a great way to start conversations with your kids about investing and building wealth. Not only would you be helping them to do it, but you're talking with them and just kind of getting those conversations started at an early age. As for your first question... I'm going to throw my two cents in on what I'm doing with my kids with regard to saving and investing for the future. So each week, our kids do three chores and they earn $1 equivalent to their age. So Zoe gets seven bucks because she's seven and Calvin gets five bucks because he's five. 
outside of the random birthday or holiday or the monetary gifts from the grandparents, this is their only source of income. With their money, our kids have been splitting it up into three jars. That is spend, save, and give. But recently, I've upped this to five jars by adding college and invest. So let me walk through those five jars to show you how we split up the money and how we're helping our kids save and invest for the future. So number one is spend. And we're currently allocating 60% of the money to this jar. This money is meant for our kids to have fun. We help guide them in making smart purchases, and we limit their bigger buys to once per month. And as Zoe gets older, this is my seven-year-old, we're going to consider a debit card-based system like FamZoo. This way, she can make her own online purchases and not have to carry around the cash when she goes out with her friends. So number two, our second jar is called Save, and we allocate 10% to this jar. So with the save jar, that allows our kids to save up for more long-term and bigger ticket items. So for example, Zoe bought her latest bike, this awesome, cool bike, with her money that she had been saving up in her save jar. After a little time, the save jar actually became a little too full. So we opened an ally savings account for her. So now at the end of each month, we empty that jar and we deposit the money into her Ally account. And that is growing and growing and growing. We've been doing that for a couple years now, and she's got almost 200 bucks in there. So she's doing well. And then number three, we have the Give Jar, which we put 10% in currently. Being more generous is something that I've been working on quite a bit personally, and then I'm also practicing it with my children. So each quarter, we get together for a tradition that I've dubbed the Big Give. We empty their give jars, we count up the money, and we review different charities that they are interested in giving to. Last month, Zoe wanted to give to the World Wildlife Foundation, the WWF, to save pandas. And Calvin wanted to help kids who don't have money for lunch. So he gave to Feeding America. Now... After my kids decide who they want to give to, we count up the money, and then my wife and I match those donations dollar for dollar. So that's what we're doing with the give jar. Number four, the college jar. So this one we're putting 10% in as well. And this one was a recent ad, but I thought it was a very, very important ad for a few reasons. I want my kids to understand that college is a serious investment and that the whole family needs to save up for it, including them. It's also going to give us a chance to discuss compound interest and investing. Lots of conversations around that. And then lastly, dialogue and conversation about college just in general. What do they want to do? What do they want to be? Does it make sense for them? That's going to happen a lot more often as we have this jar. We want our kids to graduate college student debt-free. With the cost of college continuing to rise and rise, it is going to take the whole family, including my little kids with their chore money, to get us through it. And then number five, our fifth jar here, which is called Invest. And that one, we also supply 10%. So this one actually was started by my late mother-in-law. And 
she gave both my kids a thousand bucks and she wanted to invest for their future, not for college or retirement or anything in particular, just something special that they might want to have as adults. And I loved that. So I looked into it and I decided that a UTMA brokerage account would make sense. That's a custodial brokerage account. And it's very much what we're talking about, Kevin, you know, not necessarily for college or or anything else or buying the, buying the bike. This is for saving for the future, for the unknown, right? So to honor her memory and keep that tradition alive, our kids will now contribute 10% of their income, their chore money, their, their gifts that they get from family to their custodial UTMA brokerage accounts. Now, if we start young, this account is going to grow and it's going to leave them a nice four or five figure sum for them to use in their 20s. So those are the five jars we got. Spend, save, give, college, and invest. So we've been using Vanguard for the UTMA account for the past year. But Kevin, you kind of opened my eyes to Fidelity now, man. I, I looked into them and they have zero minimums, no account fees. And Vanguard, they have a $1,000 minimum if you do a target date fund and then a $3,000 minimum for mutual funds. Also, they charge a $20 annual fee if your balance is less than 10000 bucks. And since that will pretty much be the entirety of my kid's childhood, I'm thinking a switch to Fidelity kind of makes sense right now. So thank you, Kevin, for opening my eyes to Fidelity here on this one. I've been with Vanguard for a little while, and I really like everything else about them, but I think this kind of makes sense. So I think I might have to look into that. Another player to consider that has low-cost index funds and a custodial program is Schwab. Just like Vanguard and Fidelity, they are another low-cost brokerage firm that uh, has some great index funds and things for you to consider. Just like Fidelity, they've got a zero minimum account open or maintenance fees and a $0 minimum to invest. They also have $0 online stock and ETF commissions. And you got you to thank Robinhood and all these other investing firms that are making it so competitive right now. So all these big firms are saying, well, we got to play ball. We got to play suit. So you got to love competition, man. That's where capitalism is awesome. <laughs> and that's when the consumer wins, right? <laughs> and in this case, that's when our kids win. So here's the second generation wealth building, Kevin. This is going to be fun. I hope my experience with what I'm doing is helpful and best of luck saving and investing for your kid's future. And if you have a question like Julie or Kevin, please leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. Or you can ping me on any social media platform at Andy Hill MKM. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm even on Pinterest. <laughs> so that's Andy Hill MKM at Andy Hill MKM. I would love to hear from you. fintech spotlight segment this month we are featuring our sponsor facet wealth a company that makes working with a certified financial planner professional simple and convenient i've invited a founding member and the chief evangelist of facet wealth brent weiss to tell us more about this virtual financial advising company and how it's helping clients of all wealth levels achieve their goals we're also going to discuss the importance of working with a fiduciary and defining what financial planning actually looks like. Welcome to the show, Brent. 
Andy, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Brent, there are a lot of definitions of financial planning out there. How do you guys define it? So uh, you're absolutely right, Andy. I, I always like to start with a definition that, that is not accurate. Most people think financial planning is this incredibly complicated, long, expensive process that's meant for people with a lot of money. And the first thing I want the, the listeners to understand is throw that definition out the window. Get rid of it. I'm a firm believer that everybody could benefit from comprehensive financial advice that's simple and transparent. So there's five things that I believe financial planning is. Number one, it's comprehensive. It looks at all facets of your financial life, not just your investments. Right? Focuses on today and not just tomorrow. Number two, it looks at your overall financial health and wellness. A lot of families, it's about improving their sort of money habits, as you, if you will, as the foundation of creating success longer term. Uh, number three, to me, it's empowering. Right? It's about helping families take control of their finances so they can understand it's possible to achieve their financial goals. Number four, it's every day. A lot of times financial planning looks at these goals that are 20, 30 years off. And I'm a firm believer in here at Facet. We like to think that we should live our best life today while also planning for a more secure tomorrow. And last but not least, Andy, it's personal. Right? Finances are very personal. They touch every aspect of our lives our families, and you deserve to work with someone that you know and you trust. And that comes down to working with a dedicated CFP professional uh, and making sure it's the right fit for you. I love that. So obviously, there comes a lot of trust in handing over the keys to your future <laughs> to somebody. So how can somebody find a good advisor? It's a great question, Andy, because trust is not something that occurs overnight. Trust takes time. It's the, the credibility, the rapport, the relationship you build with somebody. But here's the good news. The, the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards put, put together a great list of questions you can ask an advisor before you engage in the relationship. And, and the five of my favorite today, because I'm not going to go through the whole list, you can find the entire list at letsmakeaplan.org. But the top five for me is, number one, what is your experience and what are your qualifications? You want to find someone that has the experience and education to help you where your family is today. Right. Number two is, what services do you offer and then, and what can I expect in the relationship? There should be full transparency in terms of what they're going to provide. Remember, it should be comprehensive and look at all facets of your financial life. Number three, and this is the million dollar question, how do you charge for your services? So at Facet, we charge a flat fee. Think of it like a subscription-based fee that we'll get into in just a minute. Most advisors charge percentage of assets. I'll tell you this, there's no right or wrong answer. We're believers in the flat fee, but that doesn't make it the right situation or solution for you, but ask the advisor how they're paid so you understand up front what to expect in the relationship. Number four, here's, here's my favorite F word. Are you a fiduciary? Right? Most of the industry, oddly enough, Andy, is not. They're not held to the fiduciary standard. So make sure you ask the question up front. You have a right to know if someone's going to do what's right and best for you. And last but not least, do I get a dedicated financial advisor? We just talked about how financial planning is very personal. And make sure you can work with somebody because we, if you want to build trust, you, you want an advisor that's there for you for good times and bad, and you know they're going to have your back and do the right thing for you throughout the planning relationship. I love it. Well, number three and four are my favorites in there, and I'll tell you why. Number three, uh, your, your, your definition on there's no specific right way to be charged for your financial advising mm -hmm. services. You guys have chosen one way, and that's great. Correct. I think your main point is here, the clarity of how you're being paid. Yes. If that's not clear, then that's unfair to the person on the other side because you are asking 
for their help. You're asking for them to be a coach. So kudos to you going on, on that and, and taking that stance. Number four, let's talk about the fiduciary side. Let's dive into that a little bit. What does being a fiduciary mean? And why is that an right, important so, thing to ask? Well, so two great questions. We're, we're gonna, I'll keep it simple. So a fiduciary by definition is simply someone that must do what is in your best interest. They must put your interest ahead of their own from a professional and personal perspective, right? It seems very simple. As I mentioned a minute ago, Andy, in the financial services industry, that is not a standard. So a financial advisor may not actually live by the fiduciary standard, which is why I typically recommend working with a CFP professional. You know, that's what we hire here at Facet Wealth to make sure that you always know that legally and ethically your financial advisor is bound to that fiduciary standard and will always do what's right for you in the relationship. I love it. I love it. So there's another term that I've heard out there. It's called suitability. So what's the difference between being a fiduciary and then being suitable? So there's a very interesting fine line here, Andy. So suitability just means that an advisor gives you, gives you advice that is appropriate for a situation, right? So you try to think what is, what is best for me versus appropriate mean. And I'll give you an example. So let's say you want to buy a car. And so you go to the car dealership and you just walk in and you, you tell the car sales person, you say, I want to, I want to buy a vehicle. Suitability means they're going to come up and they're going to say any car in the lot will do because any car is suitable for what you're looking to buy. Now, a fiduciary, what they would do is they would ask Andy, what kind of car are you looking to buy? So maybe it's if you have a family looking for a cost effective vehicle, good gas mileage, safety for the family, reliability, then they'll say, Andy, those are great. That's great criteria for buying the car. Now let's find the best one for you. So when you do purchase that vehicle, you're leaving the lot with the best solution for you. So I hope that that gives a good analogy in terms of the difference between what's suitable versus what's best for your financial situation. That makes a lot of sense. And, I, and guys, I think we're getting into the minutia a little bit today, but it's purposeful because these types of questions are important to ask a potential financial advisor or your current one. So let's say if somebody's currently working with somebody, they're decently satisfied with what they're doing. Uh, how can they understand if they are a fiduciary? So the, I, the simplest thing is to ask. Just just uh, go, to, go to your financial advisor and say, no, and the approach can be different. Say, look, I'm, I'm very happy with the work we're doing together. I just want to understand, are you a fiduciary and are you held to that standard? That's number one. That's the most obvious way to do it. Uh, the second thing is you can look at their credentials or qualifications. So we've been talking about the CFP professional designation, Andy. Um, individuals that hold that designation and others uh, are legally and ethically held to the fiduciary standard. And the last thing is there's this term out there. I'm going to say RIA, and I'm not big on, on financial jargon, so I'll explain what that is. It's a registered investment advisory firm. And if, there's, if a firm is an RIA, all of their employees are also held to a fiduciary standard. So there are ways to find out without asking directly. But in my opinion, the simple way would just be to ask your advisor, are you a fiduciary? And am I getting that kind of care that frankly, uh, consumers and clients deserve? And then we talked about the fees a little bit earlier, uh, that the same type of question to your financial, your current financial advisor, where would be the best, what would be the best question to start with saying, hey, I'm, I'm sitting down with my guy next week. How do I ask them how they're being paid? Is it just is it a straight up question like that? Or what type of question should I be asking to get down to the nitty gritty of how they're being paid? Yes. So it, it, this is a this can be a touchy subject for a lot of clients. I'll say, especially if your financial um, advisors, your father-in-law, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it, it, very true. I think that the conversation <laughs> can just can be really, I, I, I think it should start with a conversation around, hey, we're approaching a transitional point in our life and we have some big decisions. 
And I just want to really go over the services that are being provided, what really makes a lot of sense, and ultimately how we're paying for the services that you're offering. And so for me, I, I do believe just asking, because if you're working with a, a true quality financial advisor that believes in transparency, they will have no problem showing you exactly how they're paid. If they have a problem showing you, I think that might be a warning sign. It isn't always a warning sign, but it might be a warning sign that there's something else in that relationship that might create a conflict of interest or someone isn't interested in sharing. Now, I will also say this as well, but when the RIAs, Andy, so registered investment advisory firms, they have to publish documents with the various regulatory bodies. And so you can find that information online if you want to go that far and look. But the simplest thing is to, to ask your financial advisor, how are you paid for the services you're providing? And then what does that look like from a relationship perspective? Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that people who don't follow the standard, there's a financial incentive for them to not follow the standard because they're able to sell products that are more advantageous to them and their company. And I understand you guys have chosen this fiduciary standard as sort of a cornerstone of your company. I guess I have to ask, does that make it harder for you guys to make money? So th th this is the easiest question of the day, and absolutely not, right? So the, the way I think about this, Andy, is there's no other way to run a business than by starting with, at square one, what is the best thing for the client? I think, in, in our opinion here at Facet Wealth, and in my opinion, in my professional career, Andy, the first thing you want to do is take great care of your clients. If you do that right, do what's best for them. If you're transparent, you do an excellent job, deliver a great client experience, everything else will fall into place. So at Facet Wealth, what we said is, let's follow, we are all CFP professionals, all of our lead planners are, we're going to hold ourselves to that high standard, and then we're going to figure out how to build the business around what is right for our clients first. Hmm. So let's talk about how you guys charge for your services then. Yeah, so we mentioned this a little earlier. Most financial advisors charge a percentage of assets. So if they're managing assets on your behalf, they'll charge typically 1%. That's normally an average. At Facet, we decided to change that a little bit. Our mission as a company is to make high-quality financial advice through a dedicated advisor, that's a CFP professional, we want to make that more affordable and accessible to more families. And so in our opinion, we believe a flat fee makes more sense. And I'll say, think of it like a subscription fee. That just relates to, to sort of individuals that are now signing up for Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, so we charge a flat monthly fee. It starts at $40 per month. So that if you annualize it, that's $480 per year. And it goes up from there to just upwards based upon two things, the services that make sense for the individual and the family and the complexity of their landscape. Now, I will say at the higher end for more complex situations, small business owners, et cetera, it's about $5,000 per year. But here's what I can tell you, Andy. Most of our clients, their monthly fee is, is actually lower than a cell phone bill or their cable bill. And so I always ask, you know, what's more important, sort of financial security, financial independence, or, you know, watching your favorite uh, sort of uh, cable show or Netflix show, that kind of thing. Um, I'll leave that up to, to the listeners to decide which one is, but that'll give you a sense of how we charge and, and ultimately what that fee can look like uh, for families that work with Facet. That makes a lot of sense. So you said uh, a typical financial advisor firm might charge 1% for assets under management. So let's say I've got a million bucks in my portfolio. I hope so mm -hmm. one day. Um, if I've got a million <laughs> bucks in my portfolio, that's $10,000 a year that they're charging me uh, based on that. Is that right? That's correct, Andy. So it's a simple. The, so I think first of all, assets under management, because a lot of families look at that. They have four hundred one ks. They have four hundred three bs for government employees. It might be a thrift savings plan or a TSP. While that is at, that is money that an advisor can advise you on. That's not money they're managing directly, so they're not charging it. As soon as an advisor starts managing the assets, so in a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or a taxable investment account, 
where they can trade and rebalance and do all of that, that's when that fee would kick in. And it does vary, by the way, Andy. So this is why, again, you should go back and ask, what do you charge for the services? That fee can range anywhere from 1% to 2%. I pick 1% as sort of the average. And then it's based upon what the advisor is directly managing on your behalf. And it typically does not include anything away from that firm. Again, the retirement plans you have through your employer. Got it. So you said you guys like to work with folks that are all of wealth, uh, different wealth levels. Do I have to have a certain net worth or do I have to have a certain uh, level of income in order to partner with you guys? Uh, no, that's that's the great thing about the flat fee model starting at $40 per month. You know, we do believe in accessibility to high quality financial advice. Far too many families uh, didn't have access before. So we started FACET a few years back. And so when we look at that, we decided how do we build a model where more families, regardless of net worth, regardless of income, can find a, a fiduciary, a CFP professional, and can get affordable access to that. So the $40 per month can be a great way for families who don't have investable assets yet. If you think about that percentage of assets model, if you don't have money to invest yet, how do you get access to that advice from the advisor? So a flat fee is a great way to get started. And you can start at the $40 per month and then work your way up as services and complexities. That is, you start a family and you have kids and you talk about vacation and retirement, all these amazing things in life, you can then adjust that to make sure it's the right fit for you uh, in a relationship. Okay. There's a lot of debate around passive investing and active investing. Do you guys have a specific philosophy that works best for you? Uh, we do, Andy. So the way we approach all of this is we think financial planning is the foundation off of which we build our financial lives. And then from there, the investment strategy supports all of that. So we approach as we believe that passive investing, diversification, and low costs are key to the success for our families that we represent. And here's what I can tell you. I own the exact same thing that all of our clients own. I'm in a, I'm in a passive, low-cost, I'll say exchange-traded fund. I know that's financial jargon, but that's what I own myself. And so I'm very proud when we go out to our clients and say, this is the, the portfolio we're recommending, that it's the same thing. The allocation and risk profile might be different, but it's the same thing that I own and my family owns. And, and we believe passive investing and the low costs are key because high costs, Andy, can erode a lot of that wealth and that growth long-term uh, and that can make a big difference for for a secure retirement for a lot of families. Got it. But talk to me about how these interactions work then. So uh, let's say I'm 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 in. I'm a I'm a partner of you guys, or I'm working with you guys. How do I physically talk to somebody? Are they helping me with my retirement planning? You know, how, how does how do the interactions go? Yeah. So I think we'll we'll take a quick step back and say that there's sort of five things that we do here at Facet Wealth to to set the framework, and then I'll walk you through just high level what that relationship could look like. Number one, again, every one of our financial planners is a CFP professional. Number two is it will always be a personal relationship that you have with, with your uh, planner here at Facet Wealth. Um, three, and this is we always take a fiduciary approach, not just because we're CFP professionals. We just believe it's the best thing for our clients. Uh, four, our financial planning is transparent, not only in terms of the fee and the services, but how we go about delivering those services. And it's simple. The goal is not to make this overly complex and hard. We want to simplify it so clients can come in and go, I actually understand this finally and can take tangible steps towards achieving my goals. And last but not least is that flat fee that we charge. And this leads into what a relationship could look like. Before anybody engages with Facet Andy, they talk to one of our client success managers who will get to know them and their goals. That initial call is all about the family, hmm. right? making sure we understand what's important to them. And then we'll share our story. The services that might make sense, we'll talk about the flat fee that's appropriate and affordable, and then they get introduced to the CFP professional that's right for them. We have an amazing team of CFPs uh, here, Andy, at Facet Wealth with varying degrees of experience and education, um, and it's great to then match them up with families based upon sort of their, I'll say their financial life stage, if you will, 
to deliver really excellent experience uh, for those families. Excellent. So if someone were to be interested to maybe connect with one of those client success managers, how does that go? Is there a cost to that? How does that work? Uh, well, great question. So that, that initial call is absolutely complimentary. It's free. There's no cost to it. There's no pressure. There's no sales. There's no commitment or obligation. We want families to feel comfortable when they call in so they can figure out, you know, do I need financial planning? Because going back to the first question you asked, Andy, a lot of families are saying, what is financial planning and how does it apply to my everyday financial life? And what we want to do is take the time to help you understand what that could look like and show you before you even move forward with FACET how that could benefit you. So you walk away and you go, I know exactly what I would be paying. I know the services I'd be receiving. And I know at the end of the day, the most important thing, how it's going to help my family. And all of that matters first before you then sign up and start working with your CFP professional. And, and I'm, I'm confident it will be an excellent experience, but uh, that's something that every family will work through uh, on their own. Excellent. Well, Brent, I really appreciate your time today. Everybody, I personally have had some experience with financial advisors in the past, and the clarity that fi Facet Wealth is providing with their process is really refreshing. If you think about all the things that we buy in our lives now that we feel comfortable with, the Netflixes, the Spotify's, the, the, you know, the services like that, it's very fluid and transparent. You know what you're getting charged. You know what you're going to be provided. And that's the same type of philosophy that I think Facet Wealth is going on with their company today. So Brent, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody, if you're interested in taking this free 30-minute consultation with one of folk, one of Brent's uh, colleagues, uh, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash facetwealth. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash facetwealth. That's F-A-C-E-T W-E-A-L-T-H. Uh, they are a sponsor of this program, but also I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I really appreciate your time today, Brent. Thank you so much for this great conversation. My pleasure, Andy. Thank you for having me. a fun episode, my friends. I'm so glad that we got to do all that. We covered advice for surviving young parenthood, investing for your kid's future, and the importance of working with a fiduciary. And if I guess I had to sort of tie it up in a bow, I'd say, let's try our best to make small investments now so we can have a big impact in the future. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player so we're hanging out each week. Number two, share this episode with a friend. You're going to find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 159. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 159. And then the last thing, number three, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find and consider this show. So we received five reviews since last month's book giveaway offer. This quarter, we're going to continue to be giving away three book options from past podcast guests, Playing With Fire by Scott Rickens, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk by Cameron Huddleston, and then Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. And to help me pick the winner this week, I have my assistant, Zoe Hill, here with me once again. How's it going, Zoe? Great. Great. <laughs> I love your excitement. So, Zoe, I wanted to ask you a couple questions. We don't talk very much when we do these reviews, so I figured I'd just maybe take a little second to ask you how things are going. So, how did Halloween go this year? 
good. So what was your favorite candy that you got on Halloween, Zoe? Um, white chocolate Hershey bar. Ooh, that sounds good. How come I didn't get any of those? Did because you hide it from me? Because it wasn't your cheat day. <laughs> That's right. Saturday's been my cheat day. That's right. <laughs> so what was your favorite part about Halloween? Um, when I got to watch a movie in the uh, Welch's basement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we got to hang out with our buddies, the Welch's. That was yeah. a great holiday. I had a lot of fun. So are you ready to read this review? Yeah. All right, let's get into it. All right, so we had five reviews, Zoe, so you know what to do, telling Alexa, right? Okay. Oops, I said Alexa. <laughs> oh, I messed it up. Alexa, pick a number between one and five. Your random number between one and five is three. All right. Our third review comes in from AZ Big Guy, who gives it five stars and calls it powerful. Thank you very much, AZ Big Guy. Zoe, can you read this review for us here? Oh, yeah. Andy is killing it with this podcast. I've been an avid listener since the beginning. I've enjoyed being along the ride as this show grows. Each week, he provides riveting content with outstanding guests. As a father of four and a husband, his show really resonates with me, and I love sharing what I learn with my wife each week. Keep up the good work, my friend. Many more... Clutus Awards are in your future. P.S. Hi, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that cool? He said hi to you? Yeah. Um, now I want to give him one back to okay, him. Okay, cool. Um, P.S. Hello. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you very much, AZ Big Guy, for sending us that great review. I'm going to email you and offer you any of those books, and then you can choose it. I will send it to you. And if you want your review read on this show, everybody, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or, or Stitcher. Stitcher. There you go. Very nice. <laughs> take a picture of it. Take a screenshot and then email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com so that I know that you left the review and it came from you. And Zoe and I pick a random winner each month and we get to read that review on the show. It gives me an opportunity to hang out with my daughter. She tells funny jokes and we can catch up on life. So life is good on the Marriage Kids and Money podcast. So Zoe, thank you so much for being here. I want to thank everyone for participating in the Marriage Kids and Money annual survey as well. I received 140 responses. Zoe, did you know that? 140 people responded to that survey. Let's pick the random winner of this Amazon gift card, this $50 Amazon gift card, okay? Oh so we got gosh. 140 responses. What does that mean we have to say to our electronic friend? You ready? Um, Alexa, pick a number between 0 and 140. Your random number between 0 and 140 is 26. 26! Okay, we're going to have to look at our list and find out who the 26th entry was. And everybody, thank you so much. All of that information is going to help me to do a better show and help just kind of help you guys better. So thank you very much. And Zoe, thank you very much for being here today, sweetheart. I love you. No problem. <laughs> this month on the show, we've got an incredible lineup. On November 11th, the next Monday that's coming up, I have the co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast, Jill Siriani, and she's going to join me to discuss what married life is like living in a tiny home. 
The Monday after that, on November 18th, our Mortgage Freedom Series is back, and we are highlighting the story of the McCoy family, who paid off over $250,000 of debt, including their mortgage, in 38 months. I'm also going to discuss options for investing in real estate the minimalist way. The Monday after that, the last Monday of the month, is November 25th, and author and real estate investor Jim Shields is going to share how busy working parents can develop a deeper connection with their children through fun traditions. Like me, Zoe. That's right. Just like you, baby. (laughs) It's going to be an exciting month of building our collective young family wealth and happiness, my friends. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John C. Maxwell. We cannot become what we need by remaining what we are. We know what we need to do, my friends. So let's do it. Carpe diem. <laughs> <laughs>